1: We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Kara Golden Show. I am so excited to have my next guest here. We have Lily Geiger, who is the founder and CEO of an amazing new brand called Filia. And we're going to talk all about her incredible, incredible company that she started in the non-alcoholic Apertivo. A- I'm not going to pronounce this right. I It's like, I know, Apertivo. Did I get it
0: right? You did. You got it right. Okay.
1: Perfect space. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they're on a mission. I love this backstory. So incredible. Uh, she's really got a terrific company lots of interesting elements to it, but I'm excited to speak with her about how she is making headway in the non-alcoholic spirits industry. As as many people know, I've been fascinated by this industry because the non-alcoholic industry, not just in spirits, but also in beer and other areas is just really, really taking off. And it's really the rapid growth, I think, is just a testament to sort of people getting healthier and um, wanting to try new things and Felia is definitely in uh, the forefront of this. So uh, I really am excited to hear from you, Lily. So
0: welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to, to talk.
1: Yeah, super, super excited. So let's just dive right in. Your story in deciding to start Felia uh, is very personal, and would would you mind just sharing kind of how you came up with this idea and and why you decided to make the jump?
0: Yeah, of course. I um, I actually grew up with um, a parent who battled with addiction uh, with alcohol. Um, so my dad was an alcoholic for kind of as long as i can remember and that definitely i think became something i was aware of at a young age um and one thing that i was definitely super conscious of or just like the lack of options for people who didn't drink for that reason especially at the time um you know you walk into a bar and the only non-alcoholic option back you know 10 plus years ago was just like soft drinks and um all felt super juvenile to the non-drinker especially if they are you know, actively every day, really trying not to, to drink and it's really hard. So, um, yeah, that's, that's why I started it.
1: That's so interesting. I've always said that like early on that having like a club soda or having a, um, you know, cranberry juice Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, it's, it's almost like it sort of speaks to you initially that like you're, um, You know, especially when you're maybe in college, maybe you're trying to, um, Mm -hmm. you know, not stand out. I think that it's really, really tough. And so I think that this non alcoholic spirits industry and beer industry that is um, definitely growing unbelievably fast is uh, that really speaks to kind of where people yeah. have seen this this industry as as a whole so how would you describe filia uh, to anybody who has not tasted it yet
0: Yeah, so Philia. So, our first product is Fiore, which is a concentrate. So, it's kind of like a Campari or an Aperol. It definitely doesn't have that artificial taste or that, like, you know, intense bitterness, but it's um, very herbaceous, kind of feels, tastes like botanical, a little floral, a little bitter. Um, It has a spice in it, it has clove, um, which is typically used as a baking spice, but we wove it into this formula, which tastes really great. It can be sipped, obviously, at any season, but I I think it kind of fits into both. Um, and then we came out with our can, which is Fiore Frisante. So the same um, flavor as our bottle, but it's spritz. So it's just like the perfect ratio between Fiore sparkling water and lemon. Um, so I think it's, it's something that tastes adult, but obviously does not trigger the taste of alcohol as well.
1: And you have so many amazing recipes on your website too, that are really, really fun that doing things even outside of uh, drinking it, um, that yeah. you can use it for that as well. So uh, so you, you did not start out in this industry. You didn't have any experience um, other than the fact that you were a consumer looking for this product. So I know where the backstory comes from, but where did you get the courage uh, to actually go launch your own company?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I think I... Um, I th- always think, I'm like, I wonder if I would have done this if COVID, uh, if the pandemic hadn't hit. Um, but I, yeah, I, I basically right out of college worked in beauty. I worked for a company called Beauty Counter and I really enjoyed working there uh, and ended up leaving and working with a really great gal who started her own company, who was working with a couple other smaller brands who were also very established brands like Summer Fridays, Skincare, APL, um, Heyday, Day, um, a bunch of Cool brands. Beauty Counter was still a client of ours. So we would, you know, work with these small brands and kind of help them um, with events, uh, brand marketing, um, even like, you know, seatings for influencer um, packages, that sort of thing. And we, I just kind of felt like I skipped a ton of grades in that experience. And I'm very grateful to have had that. And then once COVID hit, I moved home back to New York. I was living in Los Angeles for about two years. And, um, yeah, I just was like, if I don't do it now, I don't really know when I will. And I feel confident and and I have the courage now. Uh, and I always felt like I would end up wanting to do my own thing, but I, I knew I wouldn't do it if I didn't really care about it enough. Because, and I'm sure you know this too, like this is really hard um, and you really have to care about it to keep going uh, because it's, especially at my age, I'm 27, but I started this when I was 24, I guess now. Um, and you're young and I think I'm the youngest person in this space. And so it's really daunting. And like you said, I didn't have any connections in this space. I would just Google and, YouTube directions and like basically just kind of get scrappy. And I figured it out. And luckily, I now work with an awesome team and uh, know a lot more and, and always learning. But that was a really hard um, learning curve for me, but also felt very right. I, I trusted myself and I'm, I'm glad I did because it ended up really working out and I'm very proud of what Philia is now. So...
1: backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. So what was kind of the first step when you said, okay, it's time. I've got to get this started. You talked about COVID, but yeah. even before then, when you started kind of writing out a business plan and thinking, I've just got to go do this, were you making your own recipe in your kitchen? Were you, I mean, what what was it that you... Um, you know, we talked about courage. We, You had a great idea. You had a purpose and a mission behind you. But what was like the first step then when you just said, okay, here's what I need to do?
0: So I think where it really stunned was I wasn't drinking during COVID. I really didn't want to drink. And I was talking to... Um, kind of like a nutritionalist, I guess, that so I was talking to in LA and she was like, You should make this mocktail, try it like this. And I was uh doing it with my mom. We were trying to, you know, come up with different recipes, but I didn't really feel adult in having those. It didn't really feel like it was what I wanted at the five PM mark to kind of turn day to night, which just really was blending in. You know, it, it it was hard to to transition from day to night during COVID. It just all felt like this big blur of a day and it was just weird. Um, and so I was ordering pretty much every option that I could find online of products in this, you know, non-alcoholic spirit space. And I liked a lot of them, but I just didn't feel like any of them I wanted to have every night. Just I didn't like any of them enough, I guess. I just to have them often. And so I was like, I kind of think I should first and foremost create something that I I would like. Um, And hopefully in that way, I can find this gap in the market and and fill it. And I think I was able to do that with Felia because a lot of the products that I found had adaptogens and I didn't want that because they can interfere with a lot of medications, especially um, antidepressants, which a lot of people in recovery are taking those. Um, they have preservatives and I'm just not a big fan of those. I'd like to drink something that doesn't have a lot of those in them. And then some of them mimicked the tastes of alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't find that you know very helpful for someone in recovery. They can't really have those because they're triggering. So if you taste a non-alcoholic beer or a non-alcoholic gin, it's still. Kind of tastes like the original, totally, and it just is a total setback. And I also didn't want the taste of alcohol, really. I just wanted something that felt adult, and so that's how Felia came to be. And so, the first stages were just kind of tasting everything, and then coming up with, um, you know, what I really wanted and what I wanted it to look like, and yeah, just
1: came to life over time. <laughs> and so this launched as a D 2 C company initially.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it was during COVID, so it was very hard to think about even wholesale just was just daunting. People didn't really want to go to stores to get things. They wanted to get them delivered to their doorstep. So in that way it was in it was interesting. It was kind of easier just because we could um as a you know young brand, we could just financially it was awesome. Shipping can get expensive, but it was just it was an easier way to start. And then we were able to just kind of subtly work our way into wholesale. And that ended up being in beverage, as you know, kind of the market for us and now is our you know, biggest stream of sales. It's just, it's awesome. So very grateful for our wholesale partners. But um, yeah, D2C was, was, was an interesting start. It was kind of a bizarre time.
1: That's interesting. So the majority of your sales are really the retailers at this point.
0: Now, yeah, that that was a, I think, um, something that we started to see just as we continue to get more accounts over you know month over month, um, just starting to see that that's clearly that's on prem and off prem. You know re- whether it's a restaurant or bar or you're selling in a west side market like in New York, which is like a grocery store. You're seeing mm-hmm. just yeah, you're seeing it a lot more popular for beverage. People want to throw it into their shopping cart. People will see it on the shelf and sometimes just buy our product because they like the label and they haven't even tried it yet and they have no idea who we are, but they um, you know just like the look of us and that just eliminates, I think something you can't get from D2C. And I think that a lot of D2C brands just pump a lot of money into the Facebook and Instagram marketing and ads and I think that that's starting to die down a bit. Um, so we still have a, you know we still have a strong D2C flow, but I think it's still um, something will probably continue to just wholesale will be king.
1: Yeah, it'll be a lot more. Well, it's such a great product, and the packaging is gorgeous, uh, too. Thank especially, you. Um, you know, I love the cans, but also the gorgeous glass bottle. I mean, it's it's really nice, and I can I, I'm sure that it's uh, it's something that really sets you apart. Uh, from other products on the shelves. So, where exactly do you find yourself? Um, are there spaces getting created, obviously, for the non alcoholic products? Do you feel like you're in with the typical mixers within stores, or do you feel like you have to kind of educate some of these buyers too on where your product should actually be? Like, what? Talk yeah. to me a little bit about those challenges.
0: It's interesting. I think it's a mix of both, a lot of people know about this type of product now, especially a lot of these retailers that are in key cities like New York or Los Angeles or San Francisco, Chicago, Miami, they know about this, right? They're seeing the, the, you know, non-alcoholic options on the menu. Now they're seeing that people are selling a lot of these products and that they're doing well there, you know, there's a lot of um, sell through on the, on the products on the shelf like ours. And so I think that that's been easy. I, I would say that a space that's been created are I guess all retail space has been created or just these like non alcoholic bottle shops, which is for us low hanging fruit. They're like the first shops we ever got into. Um, they understand our product. They're championing our product and they're passionate about it. So that is, you know, something that's definitely new to just the world. And, and it's not just in the US that you've seen. Um, we've seen a bunch just pop up in other um, countries also, which is great. Um, But yeah, generally, I think that we, you know, still have some education to do. And that's on-prem and off-prem, especially being a non-alcoholic aperitivo. So, you know, if you think of selling non-alcoholic wine and beer, it's, there's not much explanation to go into it. People know what wine and beer are. So there's like, oh, okay, I'll try it. But For non alcoholic aperitivo, they also have to understand even what an aperitivo is. So I think that there's still um, a lot of room for education, of course, always with a product like this.
1: This episode of the Kara Golden Show is sponsored by Incogni, a compelling service that helps you take back your data. Let's add some context for why I know this is important. Maybe there are a few of you listening who are thinking that their data is in a nice, safe place out there where You can't see it, but no worries, it's super safe. With companies that maybe you've shopped from, well, here's the frightening reality. Ends up, there are these data brokers who actually take your personal information and turn around and sell it to other companies. Really? Uh Uh-huh, that's exactly what is happening. Incogni helps you take back your data with just a few clicks of the mouse, and they do it for your protection. Incogni provides real data protection from the bad things that you may have heard of, including encountering hackers and cyber attacks too. Heard of phishing or identity theft, Incogni covers you there too, so that no one is gonna be selling your personal information and target you. That's what they do. There is some crazy stuff being done out there and protecting yourself the best you can is key. And with Incogni, you can make certain that you are doing what you can to stay protected. Using Incogni is really a no-brainer. Just a few clicks and you are there. Plus, with my Incogni offer, it's really easy to make the decision to give Incogni a try. Go to incogni.com slash KaraGoldenShow to get my offer. That's incogni.com slash KaraGoldenShow now. So what was the hardest part about starting Philia when you jumped in here? Obviously you had worked for incredible companies, uh, founder led companies like a beauty counter. Did you feel like there was like something really surprising? Um, when you launched that you just felt like, gosh, I had no idea that it would be this way in starting my own company.
0: Um, yeah, a few things. I mean, I think. There's just so much uh, admin, um, you know, logistics type things that you have to nail down that you just can't screw up your taxes. You know, your, your all LLC or incorporation documents and everything around hiring people and making sure that their needs are met, that sort of thing is a lot. To manage on top of just your day to day. Um, So, I think that was just kind of a learning curve for me. Uh, And also, just, you know, dealing with a glass bottle, it's heavy. Um, You're manufacturing a product that people are going to ingest. You want to make sure it's like perfect. Um, You want to make sure that in transit, you know, obviously glass bottles are broken pretty easily. So, we've had to go go over a bunch of reiterations of our bottles and our packaging. And so, a lot of that is just kind of the Trials and tribulations of you know doing this sort of thing, but definitely was I was overwhelmed, but it feels better that we got that together now,
1: yeah, definitely, so when you were allocating uh, trying to figure out exactly the strategies to actually deploy and build a strong and loyal community. I know you definitely use social media, um, but how else did you feel like was the best way to get the word out about your product? I mean, you launched it during COVID, so it was probably kind of hard to actually um, sample the product, for example. um, That was probably pretty challenging. But how else did you get the word out about what you were doing
0: and why it was important? So, I mean, I truthfully, I wasn't that connected with other founders or any type of public figure. So I think a lot of that, I, I was really leaning on my own community and just kind of getting the word out. Um, we also, you know, put a lot into social media, making sure we were, um, you know, just talking about why we started it. I think that the story really had, uh, a lot of meaning to it and, and just getting people connected to, to us and wanting to, um, have those conversations around alcohol consumption. And then one of the things that we did post-launch because we couldn't launch in person was we had a pop-up store in New York City where people could come in and they could try the product and they could shop the product and meet us in person. And I was there the entire time. Uh, so that gave me, I think, a, a unique opportunity to meet our customers in person, to answer their questions, to have them try it, to just feel like they could you know, relate to us and get to know us. And I think that was huge. Because we, you know, hadn't really been able to do that before then. Uh, and generally, we're just, uh, I guess, just super big on, you know, demoing and, and having events and having people come meet us. We're always trying to do that in any way we can.
1: That's awesome. Where
0: was your pop-up? It was on Rivington and Bowery or between Bowery and I guess like, uh, Christy. Yeah. hmm Yeah. I know exactly
1: where that is. So, yeah. oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. What a great cool. idea. Yeah. And did you feel like that also got you a lot of press too? Like people were coming and in, uh, interested in what you were doing?
0: Yeah, I think it was it was a funny time because we didn't really know what we were doing yet. We knew we wanted people to come meet us and feel like they could walk into a space that was our brand to just feel like they could understand what we were doing, um, and you know for. For a product like this, it's good to taste it. And that gets people talking and that gets people purchasing. And so uh, while we were there, because we had this big space, we were hoping you know, people would really want to come in. But we luckily were able to um, get someone from CBS to come in and interview us, which was just awesome. awesome and totally just a strike of luck. So uh, that ended up kind of working out for us. But other than that, it was just a lot of traffic and people just walking by and wanting to come in. Give it a try. That's awesome. So yeah,
1: Philia allocates a portion of its proceeds to partnership to end addiction, aiding individuals and families affected by addiction. Obviously, uh, that was something that was very close to your heart. How important do you think it is for consumers to know that uh, you have kind of a give back strategy, uh, especially when you're an entrepreneur that you're just getting going. I mean, do you feel like it's something that, uh, that consumers are really looking for?
0: Yeah, I think it, it just, um, it holds more meaning. And I think people are excited by the, the thought of, you know, their purchase going towards something much bigger than just the product and just this brand, um, and partnership to an addiction, they're, they're great. And they, um, they're working tirelessly uh, with families of addicts and also with addicts themselves. And so I think that for us, it was, it was really um, something that was non-negotiable was something we really cared about. And also we, we are members of 1% for the planet and we've been able to um, volunteer for Harlem grown um, who are up in Harlem here in New York. And so I owe as often as I can and really value being able to do that as well. And, you know, not just talking the talk, but being able to show up and, and actually give my time um, to some of these organizations. And I always, you know, ask people to come join me. And that's something that I think we'll continue to always do. You know, that that's what sets us apart from our competitors and the peers in the space. So yeah.
1: That's awesome. That's really cool. So stories uh consumer stories i always say that they're they're so powerful especially to founders as they're getting started when you run into those people who are saying oh my gosh like thank you for doing this uh can you share any stories that have really hit you and had you know great impact on you personally that you feel uh wow okay i have to keep going even when i get i'm getting blocked in some way or i'm running into lots of no's uh you know typical founder things that happen along the way but those consumer stories are really the ones that get you back up and say i've got to keep going any that have really impacted you
0: it's interesting because i i always say that 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 is the reason why I do it is just having people hear my story and then in turn feeling comfortable expressing uh, maybe a feeling that they have around a parent or loved one or themselves and um, just feeling like it's supported them in some way. Uh, One of the things that we've done is we've actually partnered up with Partnership to an Addiction or um, Monument. And we've actually provided resources. So ways to tell if a loved one is maybe struggling with alcoholism or um, here's a number you can call. So we've tried to to not, you know, do too much of it where it's like too negative for, for the people that follow us. We don't want to be overbearing, but we want to let people know that we care and that we're here. And so a lot of people have responded saying, thank you. You know, This means so much to actually feel like we have almost like a guideline and, and um, that there's just... Hope, I guess. And um, and I've also shared my story countless times. And I think that whenever I do that, a lot of people who I've known over the years, but I just never knew that they had struggled or had a loved one struggle, come back and just say, like, that's so brave that you shared that. I also have been dealing with this for the past X years. So, like for me, and of course that's always confidential. I would never share that information, but for me, it's just like a wake-up call that wow, this isn't every almost every home. I mean, someone knows someone. It's just it's just totally um, something that people don't feel comfortable talking about yet. And that's okay. And I don't like to pry, but I, I really uh, feel less alone myself when I want to hear those stories. And so it helps me. And, and having this company and starting that and telling the story, I've never been so open about my own story. And so I've, I've learned so much and it's changed my life. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that too.
1: That's awesome. Well, I think you telling your story, like you said, I mean, not just for consumers, but also for other founders. I think stories are really powerful and it's what, you know, makes you want to deal with those hard days, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know that you're doing this for a reason and you're offering an alternative. And uh, uh, how has uh, fundraising been for you uh, along the way? Have you raised capital?
0: I have. Uh, I will say we... You know, in comparison to a lot of our peers in the space, we've not raised a ton, um, which has been pretty awesome, I think, just to kind of get to know our brand before blowing it up. And so um, up until June of this year, I bootstrapped the company and we took on our first investment from a friends and family round. And yeah, we've only raised about um, half a million to, to date. Oh, that's
1: great. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Very, very
1: cool cool
0: so what is kind of
1: the the thing that you wish you knew um, before you started? I mean like you talked about you're you're just getting started um, in terms of starting your career I guess you've you've been in the work um, place for a few years but you're still um, pretty young, right, yeah. which is great yeah. that you 're able to go and do this and and uh, get going, but what 's something that maybe you didn 't learn in school you didn 't learn from uh, working at these other businesses that you know piece of advice that you would uh, tell uh, a new founder coming into the space that you really you know wish somebody would have told you?
0: I think it would have maybe been helpful to work for a beverage company before. Um, just to fully understand the logistics and distribution mm-hmm. as a whole is just its own monster, and it's awesome, but it's also very intricate. The details and um, and also fundraising, you know, like I I had never done that before, and I'm not a co-founder; I'm a founder. So ultimately, that's up to me to do, and on top of everything else that I have to do, it's a lot of work. It's another full-time job, it feels like. So I would say just kind of, um, you know, and if you are me who doesn't have a ton of connections, that's just, you're doing double the work. So I think that um, in that regard, that's something I just wish I learned more about in school and wish I maybe just brushed up on before um, diving into a new space, but I'm still happy I did it. So...
1: Yeah. And you're learning and you're growing and, and, uh, so you're doing it now, which is, which is amazing. I always tell people to look back, you know, on sort of what they've accomplished too, because I think a lot of the stuff you're going to learn on the job, right? Um, but you're doing it. And, um, and that's, that's amazing. So last question. So what's the best advice, uh, that you would give to founders or someone thinking about starting their own company, uh, whether it's in the, Non-alcoholic spirits industry, or just in general, like, I mean, what do you maybe? What do you tell yourself on those hard days that maybe somebody gave you some advice Mm -hmm. um, about you or um, about your your personality, or it could be just in general about business. What what do you think is like the best advice?
0: Two things. I mean, this applies to just like everything in life. But I think especially when you're doing something like this to just take care of yourself. And like, there are so many things that can get you so wound up and you feel like your head's going to explode. And you're like, how will I ever do this? And if you can just not panic and take care of yourself, it's actually just so helpful in getting those things done. Um, And just protecting yourself. Because I think that often, especially with a brand like this, I I see myself as the brand and I'm like, wait, I also am a human being with feelings and um, with, you know, boundaries. And so I think just trying to remember that and um, also to just, I wouldn't really start anything like this unless I really cared about it. And so I think you just should, should really be sure of that and really care enough to do it because it is so hard and it totally changes your life. nothing's ever the same again. It feels like so, but it's you know in a lot of ways it's it's so worth it it's awesome i I would do it again, but it's it's very hard, so I think in that regard, yeah, just be sure of it and and follow your gut. awesome. well,
1: Lily, thank you so much for coming on, and everyone definitely needs to find Felia and uh give it a try for sure. It's such a great product. And um, and you can also order it on your website if you don't have it in one of your local stores too. But your story is so inspiring. Thanks so much for sharing. And again, it's it's a, a terrific product that I really, really loved a lot. And uh, I wish you all the best. So I know you guys are going to do great. Thank you so much. That means the
0: world. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023 and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness.